check, check one. Sibilance. One, two, sibilance. Testies. Testies. <laughs> I'm getting a lot of feedback in this in this headphone here. <laughs> Welcome back to Screen People, Episode 6. We have a special guest today. They're all special. Don't tell the others. Her name is Raven. Raven, who are you? What should our listeners know about you? Well, I guess I, I live in the Shenandoah Valley by way of many places. I grew up all over the country, um, sort of hail from Ohio. That's where most of like my, I guess, roots are based, but... Have family kind of all over, uh, lived in a lot of places, ended up going to school in this area, a couple other, you know, went to school in another area, but then ended up getting my first job in this area. So I'm a mental health and substance abuse counselor, you know, practice now as a, as a therapist. Um, I guess in my spare time, I, I like to watch movies. I like to go to movies when there's not a pandemic going on. I like to watch shows music, going to concerts, and again, a lot of this has all been taken away on account of the pandemic, but yeah, I'm kind of just this, kind of like a gypsy, but but that's been all over, but sort of settled at the same time. Would you say as a gypsy, you've parked your gypsy wagon? Yes, I've parked for now? my... For now, yeah. I, I would say so. I just realized actually the other day that where I've been living, I've been here 10 years. So a full decade, which is crazy to me because I was someone who like every five-ish years or, or as, a, as a kid growing up was moving around to different places. Not to spend too long on your background, um, but why, why all the moving? So I'm an only child. Um, my parents got married. They were really young in the 80s. Um, my dad was 25. My mom was 21. And their marriage, unfortunately, didn't last very long. They ended up getting divorced when I was around three. Um, and my mom remarried when I was around seven. And they were in the, in the military. And so that is why we moved to a number of different states. And they eventually did not stay together as well. And so my grandparents, my mom's parents had retired to, you know, to Virginia. And it was sort of just the thing to do in January of 1998 was to move to Virginia. So we did and sort of been in Virginia ever since. So I've lived in Virginia the longest, I would say. My moving around the state of Virginia was usually because of school or, or jobs. Childhood. So on the podcast, for those uh, three people who are still listening, and the fourth who accidentally came on this podcast thinking there was going to be some sort of celebrity. So when you think back to your childhood, what kind of things do you remember that stand out? If you think childhood, what do you think of as far as the things you watched? Nickelodeon. Um, that's the first thing that will always come to my mind is Nickelodeon. Definitely throughout childhood, uh, everything from the Nick Jr. to Snick, which was the Saturday night sort of, I guess, <laughs> entertainment for children, uh, showing various sort of shows and cartoons. Nick After Dark. Yeah, Nick at Night. 
they had the summertime block party where they would show sort of those those television shows from the 60s, 50s, you know, Brady Bunch. Well, that was kind of into the 70s too, but yeah. Bewitched, The Monsters, Adam's Family, I Dream a Genie, all of those. Lassie, that was a black and white one they always showed. I freaking loved Lassie. I love that dog. <laughs> I that ending though with the whistle and the, you know, they have the her wave waving sort of like at the camera when the credits would roll still would bring a tear to my eye. <laughs> That's so amazing. Music too, I would say, like I definitely can remember a lot of like the theme songs and stuff yeah. some of these shows. Absolutely. They they get stuck in your brain, especially when you're I don't know, if maybe it's because you're a child and your brain's developing and then you just get stuck on there. I can I can, you know, like uh TGIF was another one I always associate with childhood. Um mm-hmm. yet the full house, family matters, step by step, and I can remember this was before YouTube was a thing, trying to sing the songs uh with my friend in her car. The internet was a thing at this time, but you know, we're trying to see, you know, whatever happened to as days go by and we're like, wait a minute. That's we just combined two th- songs like that and come to find out the, all three of these. So, you know, step by step, day mm-hmm. by day by. Yeah, all of these were written by the same guy. Yeah, He wrote the intros to all three songs. So that's a little fun fact. We discovered later. Raven, I- I'm supposed to do the fun facts. I'm sorry. You're su- yeah, you're you're kind of taking my thing. Oh, my, my bad. That was, yes, that was my. No, it's embarrassing. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't have that written down. Did you ever watch a little show called David the Gnome? Oh my gosh, yes. For our listeners who may not know what we're talking about, what? how do you describe David the Gnome? Because my wife has no idea what I'm talking about. Really? And I remember it vividly. Oh my gosh, you had Swift, his fox that he would ride on various adventures through the forest? And what one, yeah, I mean, like, you know, would rescue other gnomes running into trouble or other, you know, forest creatures. And I can remember them making their hats, the cones, cone hats. They had cone hats, yes. Cone hats and, you know, very... They They lived in a tree. They lived in a tree, yes. With, like, other animals. Other, yeah, other... They were, like, mice or something or squirrels or some crap. Absolutely. And... Yeah, I mean, he would sort of, he was like the main guy. He was the main gnome. And he, I feel, was a role model to all the other gnomes. He, Do you remember what his profession was? Oh my gosh, no. He was a doctor. Doctor David. Do- Dr. David. I, I mean, I don't think they called him that, but that was actually, I, I was looking it up. He was a doctor. That's why he went around like healing animals and taking care of people. Uh, there was an episode where Swift got caught in sort of a bear trap. And I can remember he had this magic salve that he put on Swift's foot to heal it very quickly. But I never, I did not, I never put those two together that he was a doctor. For those of you who don't know, um, David the Gnome was an animated series that was actually made in 1985. It was all of 26 episodes and played on Nickelodeon between 1988 to 1995. Uh, and it was <laughs> David used everything from hypnosis to acupuncture to help um, take care of animals. Um, like I guess he was a doctor of all things. Like it doesn't say he was a veterinarian, wow. so I guess he just took care of everyone. Yeah, the very first episode I recently rewatched it, 
and he hypnotizes a lamb who's not feeling well so he can take care of it. Um, and he sort of also has magical powers. Okay. Like telepathy and other stuff. Um, so that's fun. There was a lot packed into that show I'm not even yeah. realizing existed. Did you know he was 399 years old? I feel like that is familiar to me. Yes. Yeah. And there was, uh, apparently there was a joke in the show where they say, well, he's not the oldest gnome. There's another gnome in another section that's like 450. Um, but he's pretty old. Pretty old. Um, Dr. David the Gnome. Here's the weirdest thing I found out about David the Gnome. Raven, do you know where David the Gnome was made? I'm gonna guess Canada. You're half right. David the Gnome was actually an animated TV series from Spain. Oh my gosh, that is... <laughs> wow, okay. Just listen to this. So it was an animated TV series from Spain based on a children's book, The Secret Book of Gnomes, by a Dutch author, Will Huggen, an illustrator, Rien Porvlet. So it was made in Spain, and then a Canadian studio, Sinar, dubbed it into English. Christopher Plummer narrated the show, and the actor named Tom Barley who was famous for playing Howard Cunningham on Happy Days. He voiced the character of David. If you go back and watch it, which, by the way, Raven, you can actually go on Amazon Prime and watch all of them. Are you serious? I'm serious. That's how I watched the first episode. <laughs> you will notice one thing. Two seconds into it, you'll go, oh, this is so dubbed, because it was actually called David en Nomo. <laughs> That's the original title. I love that. David, el nomo. El nomo. And I swear, like, one second into the show, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's whatever David's saying in in the cartoon is not what the voice is. <laughs> wow. Wow. This I, is totally dubbed and I never noticed. I never knew that. Mm -hmm. That's how magical it is. That is magic. Do you remember his uh, his wife's name? Oh, I don't. I remember him and I remember Swift, the fox. What was the wife's name? Lisa. <laughs> Lisa. Lisa. Which, Lisa. You know, who knows what it was in Spanish, right? It could have been something else. It could have been, yeah. This is Cassandra. <laughs> I don't know how we, we should name her Lisa. <laughs> that, that sounds English. <laughs> Love it. Love it, yes. Um, it's, it's very trippy. I forgot about the trolls. That was the big thing. The trolls were always causing chaos in the that's, forest. That's right. That's right. Yeah, they were like the enemy, the enemy of the gnomes. Yeah, they were always into mischief. <laughs> okay, so right off the bat, the opening scene, David is in a bathtub. And he goes, oh, hi, everybody. And he goes, oh, you're always making so much noise in the forest and doing things with your pollution and stuff. And you're like, why is this gnome taking a bath while talking to us? And he's still wearing his hat. Well, don't you? Don't you in this? I mean, that's like the perfect place to wear a hat shaped like a cone. <laughs> a lot of people connect memories of childhood with um, movies or particular shows. Um, can you tell me, what is your connection to Silence of the Lambs? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, that one. I can remember when my mom first let me watch it and I remember her being hesitant and you know letting me know like this might be scary uh, how old were you probably like 11 12 which is still kind of young um yeah just a little right 
but it was one like I can remember um, my dad. And so, you know, my, my dad's family would sort of, I can remember them talking about it. And I can remember when I finally was sort of, I, I don't know, I guess I thought old enough to watch it. You know, Ma, I want to watch this film. And, you know, I don't know, uh, but she, she did. She let me watch it. Um, I guess she, I guess, you know, she just didn't want me to be too frightened of the, uh, you know, the serial killing aspect or, you know, someone that gets completely naked and does a dance in front of the camera. So, so then it sort of evolved as this thing that it really became more of an inside joke, I think, with me and my dad. Just something that would make us laugh, like certain parts you know, that there's the song, one of the songs in the film is, you know, Goodbye Horses, which is the song that Buffalo Bill dances to. And, and so it just became like a thing left in voicemails, if you know, of of family members, you know, my, my dad, my cousin, my, co- you know, cousins and my, my uncle John sort of singing that song in the voicemail. And, and I think they turned something that was maybe a uh, terrifying into something that was actually funny and I don't, I don't know just some of those one-liners from from that movie uh you know oh hey uncle john can i bring this or hey dad uh does this sound good to you and it's like well you know very good mr gordon you know th- this is it's just so embedded into our family's language it's mm-hmm. so yeah it's it's just one of those that i guess i don't know it so I can watch it now and it's not anything that's disturbing. And when people find it scary, I'm just like, what? I don't understand. It's hilarious. It's what happens when you watch it when you're 11. I think so. Yeah. You, yeah. you know. <laughs> did you know it came out on Valentine's Day? I did not. Wow. 1991. I mean, that's just funny. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they knew what they were doing. It grossed $272 million worldwide with a budget of $19 million. So I think they did all right. And it's actually the third film to ever win the top five awards at the Academy Awards. Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Director, and Best Picture. Wow. You know what I thought? I was very curious about when I look at movies like this, I like to think about what happened before this movie was made. Mm. Jodie Foster had just won an Oscar for The Accused Mm -hmm. in 1988. Here's what I found out was fun. She, uh, the director, uh, Jonathan Demme, Mm -hmm. who went on to direct Philadelphia and Rachel Getting Married, he did not want Jodie Foster. He didn't think she was right for the part. Which is very interesting because she had just won an Oscar. Yeah. So you're like, well, then who the hell is? Who did he? Michelle Pfeiffer. Ah. I feel like that's so interesting when you find things out like that, like wh- who the director wanted versus maybe the producers or the studio that was making the film. And yeah, yeah. I wonder why, why he felt maybe she wasn't right for the role. I, you know, I don't, he just wasn't convinced she was the right one at first, at first. And then um, Michelle Pfeiffer looked at it and was like, no, this is way too disturbing kind of mm-hmm. deal. Mm-hmm. Meg Ryan. Oh. Laura Dern. Okay. And then eventually, back to Jody, who had read the book, I think, in the script and was like, I want to do this. Yeah. And so she convinced him. To give her a shot. And you know who else was in a first pick? Anthony, Anthony Hopkins. Hopkins. Wow. Who was? Sean Connery. 
Okay. Uh... The, the quote that I found over and over again was, he read the script and found it revolting. Uh, revolting. Revolting. How do you say that in a Scottish accent? Uh, I don't know. I'm terrible at accents. <laughs> and they even had a backup if Hopkins said no. John Lithgow. Oh. Who would have been brilliant. And Absolute. had already sort of already done that sort of thing anyway. Fast forward to Dexter season four, where he gets to play the phenomenal Trinity Killer. The last good season of that show. A hundred percent agree with you. They Thank should have ended it there. So last trivia for anybody still interested. Um, one thing that I loved that I read about was Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster's first scene together. Mm. When she meets Hannibal Lecter. If you watch it, which I know you have a thousand times, he mimics her voice at her mm -hmm. with the southern accent and everything. Mm -hmm. And the look of absolute shock on her face when he does that mm -hmm. was real. He improv that. Wow. Jodie Foster had no idea, and it pissed her off. Because it, she said, I, not like the automatic reaction was like, is he mocking me? Yeah. Because, of course, she was putting on a fake accent. She's not Southern. Correct. Um, and it's perfect because it's so it's such a visceral reaction from her, the actor. Yeah, I mean, he's such, like, that character. I mean, there's, like, no no getting into him psychologically. He's he's too intelligent for that. And and he's, he's a psych, psychiatrist, so he, know, he knows, in a sense. I mean, I think he's, like, a forensic psych, psychologist or psychiatrist. But, yeah, that, that mirroring... You know, so he's he's already dis disarming her. Uh, that that's a pretty brilliant choice, I think. And so that's cool, though. Like I feel like that's so neat when you hear stories of how like the ways like actors sort of caught their you know their co-stars off guard by doing something that maybe they didn't do in rehearsal or 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 what or whatever. So yeah, that's really cool. I had no idea. Yeah. Speak speaking of revolting. Yes. Why. You told me that you have watched the Halloween films 50 plus times. Do you know that I have watched zero Halloween <gasps> films? Are you serious? I am serious. I don't want you to be revolted, but I'm... I have watched 50, 50 times. I have watched none. I didn't even know there were 11. Well, are you including the remakes in that count? I have to count them all. Okay. And there are, according to my sources, definitely not Wikipedia, there are 11 films with two to go. Yes. Yeah. One scheduled for 2021, but of course that may change. And yeah. one scheduled for 2022. 11 films have been made. In that franchise. I just have one question for you, Raven. Yes. Why? <laughs> Why? I, I, I have to give credit to this show I used to watch, probably like 13, 14. It was on TNT late Saturday night, and it was called Monster Vision with Joe Bob Briggs. This was a guy, it was like a, I think he was a Texan, and he was on this makeshift sort of desert looking soundstage with like a, a a camper behind him a fake campfire he's wearing the the bolo tie and 
they would show these sort of, you know, horror movies. I mean, regular to, to these B, B level, uh, horror films, uh, and, and I don't know. I mean, for whatever reason, I just was into them. Um, I mean, he would show things like Halloween, Return of the Living Dead, uh, a lot of Stephen King stuff. So like Carrie, this movie called uh, Maximum Overdrive with Emilio Estevez. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I just I for whatever reason, I just dug them. Um, they like they scared me. But then you it sort of was funny at the same time that here's sort of this uh you know girl or, or these you know teenagers that are sort of running around they're running away from the killer fast they are like racing uh, uh for their life and they'd be running so fast and here's this guy just walking just walking <laughs> You know, just I'm just going for a stroll. Just right, left, right, left, and he would catch up to him and and kill him. I mean, you know, I don't know. I I feel I feel like I love fall. I love Halloween. That just that time of year, and I I don't know. I guess um, if I could watch these things and sort of pick them apart, they were less scary. And okay, um, so the Michael Myers. I mean, you think about how this character has gone through these these movies and some of them are horrible they really are they're really bad but i guess just it's a nostalgia type feeling um okay the the channel amc does a fear fest every october where they basically show these constant movie like you know horror films and they show all the halloweens uh, so yeah i mean i can remember like you know as like a teenager like having sleepovers you know with friends and I don't know. You would just do things to like just scare the crap out of you. Like so watching that, watching Scream, Scream was really really big. I think when I was sort of in my early teens, that sort of changed the genre, I feel like of horror movies, but then also sort of brought back a I don't know, a, a fondness of those those ones from the seven, like you know, late 70s into the 80s. So, yeah, I don't know. I just I just ate it up. I still do. Like if, you know, we're getting in almost into October and I know AMC is going to run the, their fear fest and I know I'm going to be watching, uh, you know, the Halloween's, you know, for the 60th time. Unfortunately, I have to actually interrupt my own podcast. You see, I recorded this episode nine months ago and something that I didn't realize at the time was that Raven and I talked for so long that my recorder died on us midway through the conversation. And what's great is that this is the conversation we started to have when the battery died. We all have our favorite movies and our favorite TV shows. We all defend them in spite of their flaws. Why of all the movies do you think that one of your movies of all time is Point Break? (laughs) Yes, I'm so glad you brought this up. Oh my gosh. So? We will have to bring Raven back and continue where we left off in season two. Thanks for listening. 